Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. Creating confident kids with my friend, Chelsea. I am really excited to introduce you to someone that I fell in love with in what was it? February when I met her at Susie school and I want you guys to fall in love with her. So Chelsea is a wife and a mom of four. She has twins that came first and a lover of all things, business and growth. The last 17 years of her life have been spent building her family alongside multiple businesses. Exciting news. She just recently launched her own podcast. And after everything she's learned, she's committed to helping women feel more confident, capable, and connected in motherhood, business, and life. So it's obvious why she's here. Um, <laughs> we're talking about building confidence in our kids, um, but she kind of radiates that. And so it makes sense why you teach it. And truly when I, I didn't know who you were before I went to Susie's school. I didn't really know who anyone was. And I remember going, how do I not know who she is? Like one, you're connected to all these people I know, but also just your, your voice. It's, a, it's I, beautiful. Oh, you're muted. Yeah. I need, oh, sorry. I thought I was muted this whole time. I was like, why am I muted? But okay. So the, the good news is I have the exact same thought and feeling. I'm like, how do we not know each other? But I actually think when my page was called best day, everything, I actually think that we were in Cause I knew your like, I knew your old Instagram handle. I think we did giveaways oh. together. Now what? that I think about it, I was like, I could, when I saw your logo, I, I had this cause you know, I do graphic design. So yeah. image, images stay in my brain forever. And I'm like, I swear, I think we did, um, giveaways together back in the day, you know, when everyone was Dang. doing giveaways that yes. to, to begin with. So I actually think we did, but I don't think that meant that we met on a personal level. No. So clearly, we, <laughs> right. But when we, when we met and I was like, I always love when I feel this connection of like, I want to know more about you and I want yes. to know more from you. And I definitely felt that. So I'm really excited to be here with you to talk about this. And I think it's so nice that you think that I emulate confidence because there was, there was a lot, like a lot of my life where I was confident, but yet I lacked a lot of confidence Ooh. and right. There was, and the as I've grown into an adult and I've done so much work looking back, I think what I realized was that I was always under the impression and what I was kind of taught by example was that that was the right thing to do was to be insecure in enough ways that you didn't look arrogant, that mm. you should downplay so many parts of you that you should self like, um, deprecate play, like that you should always look, you know, point out your weaknesses to everyone else. So number one, they know you have weaknesses because isn't that just often like authenticity. And then also like it was humility. Like mm -hmm. we should, we should look for all those horrible, terrible things that we hate about ourselves and we should make sure everyone knows about them. <laughs> right. It was it like, good to me. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was kind of, I, and I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And I didn't realize that I had like this, like I was confident I, and my confidence came from believing that I could do anything I set my mind to. 
So I had that, that, that part of me, I felt like I was going to figure out a way. And I also had no problem, uh, bringing people along with me. I was not intimidated by other people being successful. I was excited. I wanted to, I was like the captain of the drill team. And I remember there's a very simple, like uh, term in dance called like a PK. And I remember one of the girls on the team, like our first practice, she's like, what's a PK. And I was like, oh no, we're in trouble. <laughs> and then I'll, then I remember like thinking like, you know what? We might be in trouble, but that's okay. Because guess what? I am ready to get to work. Let's get to work. And I was going to help him and lead him and get, you know, so I had that confidence of, of being capable. I was, mm-hmm. I was never afraid to try or to go and do, but the insecurity came from like my body. I was very insecure about my body because it looked different than friends. And also it was modeled to me in, in many different ways of look that you should always be looking for things that were wrong about your body Mm. because there was always work to do. And also if you notice, then no one else will have to tell you about it. Mm. And then also I was lots of insecurity around that other people wanted me to succeed or that were happy for my success. And so there it's, it's crazy to look at this and think about the different types of confidence and insecurities that we carry. Um, but I, in the last few years, maybe 10 years, the last 10 years, and maybe after having my kids, I realized the power that comes from being aware of what your insecurities are, where they're coming from and how you can work through them. And also like that being mean to ourselves does no one any good. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't serve the purpose of humility. It doesn't actually serve the purpose of like, um, protecting yourself from, because you're harming yourself. <laughs> like who cares mm-hmm. about the other people that you're trying to show how humble and kind and, <laughs> you know, just like you, I'm just like you, you know, like, yeah. like, like that's, it, it does, it doesn't even give you an opportunity to connect to connect because you're holding yourself back from those insecurities. Okay. I I'm loving this because I relate to it and I'm sure a lot of the listeners can as well. Maybe they are just had an aha moment realizing I thought that's how I was. I thought Mm. I was confident because I was successful, Mm. but if I really sat within my thoughts, which my therapist recommended, I do eight years ago. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm confident. And I am successful. And like, look at my life, all these things. And she's like, "Hmm, I really think you should maybe take this course on shame and how your life is really being driven by it. And I was like, what? I don't have shame. What are you talking about? And I started doing Brene Brown's course and it rocked my world. And I realized that everything I was doing was out of shame and I was very capable. I still am very capable, but I do it for different reasons now. And, um, I was just recently reading a book it's called pussy reclamation. And so it's a little bit like, I saw you post that. Yes. I love it, but it's kind of like a, it's maybe too much for some of our listeners, but, um, she talks about this exact thing as women, mm-hmm. we kind of, we feel like we need to suffer together. And so instead of sharing, wow, I just had an amazing connecting weekend with my partner and we had the best sex of our lives. We don't say that we say, let me share this fight we just had. And oh, like, he's always this and he's that because that feels like I see you and you see me instead and what, of, okay, well, we are all. We, we, but, but us on the other side of it, we actually prove that it is true that that's all we want to hear from people because guess what happens when people get cancer, everyone comes and guess what Mm. happens when the cancer has gone or the person dies, 
Like if they lose a child, they don't want to hear after that. They want to watch the journey of the hard. Yeah. It is fascinating. It is. It's fascinating to see that when people are getting divorced, they want to see people come to watch what ha- is happening. Oh my gosh. Did you hear she's getting divorced? what's happening? Right. So we show up in this hard thing. And then all of a sudden when we are triggered by like the positives and we prove that by the way that we show up and the way that we leave. And I think that this is something that is so important to be aware of as people on the other side of not just like, because we all want to be able to share, like, like you said, an amazing weekend away with your boyfriend. You want to share that it was like maybe the best weekend you've had in a really long time, but then all the people are like, thumbs up yeah. when, when, if you said, you know what, this is what we're struggling with. This is what we had a hard time with. All of a sudden the people come and they're like, Oh, me too. Thank you for sharing this. I feel so much less alone, blah, 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 blah. But what if, what if the good things were proof of possibility and we could all <laughs> celebrate those together? Yeah. yeah. And it does change the energy. It definitely changes the energy. And, um, I just have to laugh because this was, I have, I really get messages like this that say, I didn't like when you were happily married and working through mm. that. Like, I didn't like you. I had to unfollow you because you were triggering. And then when I heard you got divorced, I was like, yes, I'm all in because wow. I was suffering. And that was more wow. comfortable for people to come and follow me. And so now I'm like, okay, well, I'm sharing my joy now. So if I get married again, are we going to bail on me? Cause I'm happy. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> you know, what is so interesting. The other day I did a, a reel and it didn't get very much attention at all. And I think it's because it was triggering for some people. Um, but I, but people love us to preach from our pain. Mm. And, and, and so I did this, this idea of there's the preaching from your pain or there's teaching from your healing. And right now I see you in this place where you, you know, you probably still have little bits and pieces of preaching mm-hmm. from your pain, but also you've moved into this beautiful place of teaching from healing. And that is, I think the teaching from the healing is when people start to go like, wait, she's not as sad as me, or she's not struggling as much mm-hmm. as me, or maybe she all of a sudden has like her, she's been working out for uh, six months. And now I can't relate to her because she's like leaner or stronger, or maybe she's smiling and laughing and I'm not. And so it's like this triggering thing to people and they want us to stay in this. Like, how can you be happy? Like, remember what happened to you? Remember Mm -hmm. how you're struggling? Remember how we were in this together and they want, and they almost want to like keep you there instead of allowing you to progress. But the whole goal of this life is for us to progress and though you'll be back in a place. Eventually we all go through mm-hmm. these seasons of this pain and this preaching from their pain and, and preaching sounds like a negative word, but it's not, but it is, I think it's like this voice of like desperation. Like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want you to be alone. For and sure. it's like this, you know, so that's, I just want to clarify that word, but, but it's interesting how that happens. And also like, what is that model that we are showing? Like, what is that showing our kids? Mm. And how are we connecting with them? How are we letting them connect with us? Are we, are you sharing the positive, exciting, you know, happy weekends with, with your kids? Am I doing the same? Or one day I actually, which makes, makes me think about this is I was like, you guys, aren't you going to take over my print shop? So I have a screen printing company I have for 17 years. And, you know, many years I joke like, or called it the family farm because we don't have a farm for all of us to work at anymore, but we do have this place where everyone can have a job whenever they need it. Right. It's like you, you have the opportunity to make money. You have the opportunity to learn how to make, do skills. And you're also like forced to show up because it's (laughs) provides for our family sometimes, you know? So it's like, So this family farm. And one day I said to my twins, like, I, I said to them, like, 
this is exciting. You, you could have this all like you could grow into this. This could be a business that has been set up for you. It's successful. It's fun. You're so creative, like all this stuff. And they're like, no, I don't really want it. And I was like, why? And I was like, and they're like, well, you just, it just feels so hard all the time. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And I realized that it's because whenever I'm talking about it to them is because I'm like, wait, hold on. Just give me a minute. This is really hard. This something bad is happening right now, or I have to fix this problem. I need I just need some space for a minute or like, you know what I mean? So that's how I was presenting it to them over and over again, when really I should have also made sure in those moments. And now I try to, to celebrate the success with them, to show Mm -hmm. them like how fun this is, like in, you know, including them in all of the fun and the good and the light so that they knew that it it's both. It's, I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that goes into so many different areas of our life of being an example to our kids. Um, I'll share just a really quick one is when I come back from therapy, I don't share every time, but I share like, can I share a big win I had in therapy today in healing or reprocessing something? And I don't need to go into detail about my trauma or the belief that I had, but the beauty part of therapy. And now my girls, you know, they've gone in and out of therapy for years, but they kind of like, eh, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, look, you got divorced. Like, uh, you know, like that's going to save you from pain, but they are back in it now because they've heard enough of their dad and me sharing. This is working for us. This is helping us rather than, Oh, I have to go to therapy again. Mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing. Like, no, this yeah. is a thing. It's helping us. So and you want to know what I think is funny is when you said, when they're like, throw that in your face, like, yeah, but you got divorced and guess what? Maybe if you didn't go to therapy, you never could have gotten divorced. True. And, and maybe you needed to get divorced. And and I think that you're in the place where that could be very true for you. And so like, maybe, maybe therapy gave you permission and allowed you to get divorced. You know what I mean? I love it. Like we don't, we don't know how the therapy is working, but like we have to trust and and how we feel inside and the progress that we're making in our lives, even if it looks different than what we anticipated it looking like. Yeah. Okay. I love this already, but let's get into our topic. Okay. I'm so excited about this eating into it. So we all want our kids to feel confident. And so how do we create that atmosphere when, I mean, my kids are in middle school, which is the worst I hated middle school for a lot of reasons. I just, I didn't know who I was, you know, people are shifting every year or, you know, I tell my kids a lot, like they'll say, I thought they were my friend, but they did this and they said this, and now they're my friend again. And now they're not, no, no, no. I'm like, trust the friends that show up for you the same, the most, like they're not shape shifting every day. Right. Um, it's tough. I'm, I'm not sure how to create that safety. Um, even more so. So I would love to hear your perspective. Well, you said something that I want to point out. You said in junior high, I really struggled because I didn't know who I was. Right. And there might be some truth to that, but the words that I want to say are that you didn't know who you thought you were supposed to be. Mm. And so I think that is the biggest struggle with our children, especially, um, is that they, make up in their brain that they're supposed to be a certain way that they're supposed to look and dress and feel a certain way. And since that actually doesn't exist, then they start thinking they don't know who they are, but it's like, it's not actually about not knowing who you are. It's about trying to find this character that actually doesn't exist. Mm. And so 
of course there's suffering in that. Cause you're like, I'm trying so hard. I'm looking in all the places, you know, I remember, so I have my twins that are 17 and well, they're almost, they're 16. They'll be 17 this year. And then I have a 13 year old daughter. And Ella is like the middle child. She has identical twin sisters that are older. She has an only boy brother that's younger than her. And so she is like truly a middle child. Mm. (laughs) And she also was born with a thing called short antigen syndrome, where her hair grows like a half of an inch every two years, maybe. And Mm. so she hardly had any hair until she was like seven. Once your hormones start kicking in, then kind of it it progresses a little bit, but it's still like a lifelong thing. And so I remember one day, um, just to give you an example of like the kind of person that Ella is. So one day we were at McDonald's and she was little and she um, came over to me and she's like, that boy over there called me a boy. And why would he call me a boy? Because I am a girl, you know? And I like my heart hurt a little bit because I was worried. And I probably looked down the line of like when someone would call her a boy and then she, it would be tears instead of like, 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 I just want long, pretty hair. Like, why don't I have pretty hair? You know? And I'm like, and in that moment I was like, yes. And then I was like, you're right. Why would he call you a boy? That's weird. I don't know. Maybe he thinks only girls have long hair, but is that true? Like, no, there's girls that have short hair and long hair. And so, you know, but, but so she has always been this person that was just so like ready to go and strong willed and just knew exactly what she wanted and how she wanted it. And she was planning her future. And like my, my friends used to joke, like, can I invest in Ella? (laughs) Like, you know? And so like, that's how she was. Well, she went to seventh grade last year. And something happened to her before anything actually happened to her, right? She's going into seventh grade and all of a sudden she's like, what should I wear to school tomorrow? How should I do my hair? How should I? And I I saw the panic in her that I've never seen before. I saw this like shift happening and I'm like looking at her like, where are you? Like, where is this girl who was never afraid to, you know, like say what she loved and be who she was. And I like, it kind of like triggered me a little bit like, okay, well, how do I fix this? And so instead of answering any of her questions, I started asking her more questions, right? Like, oh, like what color do you love? Do you like to wear a pattern or are you more, you know, what, like what? So I turn around and I ask her the questions because I want her to know that she can trust herself. So -hmm. that's like one of my first tips is always, instead of answering the questions, ask more questions and do it in a loving, kind way of like, make it an interactive conversation. And that, so that was the first, that's the first thing that we kind of, I noticed in her seventh grade year of like asking questions, just, you know, like, Oh yeah, well, what do you love? Like, do you have any ideas? Like what, what do you, what do you think you might want to wear, you know, or what's something that feels good on you? Do you want to be comfortable? Do you want to, so asking Mm -hmm. those questions. And, and, and that was my hope in giving her permission to not look around, like what the styles, what the trends were, Mm -hmm. what everyone else was wearing, like what stores, like, it's truly like, how do you want to feel? And what makes you feel that way is kind of the, the approach I took. And then like, two weeks into school, she had, she, we did Spanish immersion at our school. So they're with the same class, their entire elementary it's, there's like really good positives. And there's those negatives that they're stuck with the same kids all along. Right. So she goes into um, seventh grade and she has these two really close friends and out of nowhere, um, she gets this text from the friends after lunch that they had just eaten together. And they were like, Hey, uh, not, not to be rude. Like we just don't want to be your friend anymore. And she's like, I'm like, so if anyone ever has to say not to be rude, they're trying to be rude, first of all, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. You're like, I'm going to be rude right now, but no I don't offense. want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> yeah. No offense. Right. So they, they tell her they don't want to be your friend anymore. Mm-hmm. And her first in- initial reaction, she like sends me a screenshot of the, of the conversation. And I was like, do you want to respond to them? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, don't respond then. You know? So th- these, these little tiny interactions are ways that we can empower our kids with confidence more than any other way. Because if I wanted to make her feel like she was out of control of her life, Mm. I would have responded like how they are so rude. What jerks? I can't believe they would do. Do you want me to come pick you up and save you? Right. And, and while there might be a time for those conversations as well, I just like this in this moment, it's like, like, do you want to respond to that? And putting that like, how do you feel? What, how does this make you feel? Do you, you don't have to engage with that kind of conversation. So then we go in and we, we, we talk a little bit more later that night. And then um, the next day she texts me and asked me to come downstairs to her room. And she was very upset because, and now she's like, she said, mom, I'm starting to wonder what's wrong with me. Hmm. Right. So the way that people treat us, sometimes the way people treat our children, the way we treat our children, sometimes it makes them wonder what's wrong with them. We can say to our kids, um, that was a really dumb mistake, or you are so dumb. Why did you do that? And those different, those, the, the words that we speak and the words that other people speak are so powerful. And so that's another thing is watching the way that we speak, the way that we phrase words, like mm-hmm. not, not you are, you're so dumb. Why'd you do that? You're annoying. Like, yeah. You're so <laughs> annoying. Like the way that you're talking to me right now feels really annoying, Right. right. And so just thinking about that. So the way that we speak and also noticing the way that other people speak. So in that moment of, of her saying to, to me, like, why I'm starting to wonder what's wrong with me. Then I say to her in this moment of like, you want to, you want to like turn into the mama bear. Right. And Mm -hmm. you want to like, say like, because they're jerks and this has nothing to do with you. And you're, and you know, like, like, let's just you know, burn their house down. I don't know. But then we said, I, my first, my first thing that I said to her was like, I'm really grateful that you can't understand why they would do this to you because that means this is something you would never do to someone else. Mm, right? I love that. Like we don't, we can't, we always try to make sense of the things that people do or say to us that we would never, ever do. And so it never makes sense. Yes. So then all of a sudden, if we can't make sense of it, then there must be something wrong with us. Yeah. But instead going, no, there's actually, this is actually so amazing that you don't understand. So there's a little like perk of confidence. Like, I don't understand why someone would be this mean. Maybe that means I'm nice, right? Mm. Maybe that means I'm nice. Then I'm, you know, we go into conversation of different reasons why maybe it's a natural separation for, for friends to happen at this point, you know, seventh grade, this happens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that we could be really open and honest with our kids is it in our own relationships, friendships will come and go, and it doesn't always have to be bad. Sometimes just natural progression happens, right? Shift and change. And so, yeah, you guys are in a new school with a lot of people and you know what, maybe they've figured that there are other people that they would rather spend their time with. Now, what does that mean for you? And so in that moment, we had this conversation of like, you have two choices. You can stay at home and you can feel really sad and hope that someone out there notices you and invites you to hang out with them. Or you can look and do you, have you met any kids in the whole junior high that were really fun and like felt really good to be around? Yeah, actually I've noticed these girls. Awesome. You should invite them over tomorrow. And she's like, really? Like what? And I was like, sure. Do you want to hang out with friends? Is that important to you? Does that feel good? Right. So then in that moment, she's like, okay. And just last week, she, she texted me and she said, Hey mom, today 
is a one year anniversary when I asked this group of girls to hang out with me and it changed my whole life. I'm so happy. Right. Because she, she took that initiative and, 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 and found these relationships and these friends to change her life instead of sitting back and waiting for it to change. Now here's the tricky part, you guys. How many messages do you get from grown women that say, how do I be a part of something like this? How do I, why you're so lucky you have all these friends. How are you all, you know, these messages that come from women like you and me, these thoughts. And so this is where kind of this, the shift in the conversation is going to happen because one of the most common questions I get is how are you raising such confident children? Are they fully confident? No. Do they carry some insecurities? Absolutely. Are they confident in their ability to be capable, capable to, to be exactly who they are? I believe that's a yes. So the answer to my question, the question that is, that we all want to know is raising confident children is we stop and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, when friends don't invite me, what do I do? When, when when other people like hurt me or when other people aren't there for me, or like, if I'm struggling, then how am I supposed to create confident kids? If I don't believe that I want, I want this for you. And I want this for you. And I want this for you, but I actually don't even know how to get it for myself. There's the gap. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So it's like, sitting down and saying, what do you want for your kids? This is a, this is a really easy exercise to do because we don't like to make it about us, but we can do this. We can say like, what is the, if I could, if I could give my kid three things, what would it, what would that be? How would I want them to see themselves? What do I see in them? What do I believe for them? How do I want them to, to feel about themselves? You could write down, I mean, 10 pages, right. Of like a wish list for your kids. And, and then you go, you, you, so you write down that whole wish list, no matter how many pages it is. And then you stop and then you cross out their names and you cross out who the, the child or the children that you're thinking of. And then you go ahead and you put your name in there. And you're like, wow, these are actually all the things I want for myself. Mm. Like I want to feel more comfortable exactly who I am. I want to believe that I am doing my best. I want to believe that I have value to the world. I want people to see what's in my heart, what matters to me, what's important to me. I want to see other people. I want to feel connected. I want to feel joy and laughter like I mean, the list could go on for 10 years, but if we are not willing to stop and do that self-reflection and that self-work and that self-love and that grow that confidence within ourselves, we will never be able to fake it for our children. Mm. We can try, we can try, but it won't happen until they figure out a new way to learn. Maybe a friend will teach them. Maybe a a friend's mom will teach them. Maybe they'll get bits and pieces from you. But if you want like the whole thing, if you want to like really instill that solid confidence, that inner confidence of not who am I supposed to be, but like, who am I and why do I matter? And what is important to me and what gifts can I offer the world? do the, we have to do the work first. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, I mean, I've done a lot of different work and yeah, the divorce put me into a different place where I had to get yeah. deeper than yeah. where I thought I'd found a lot of 
the true parts of me that I wanted. Yeah. Um, but the divorce, it put me in a place of, I started to see the labels that I'd put on myself and beliefs mm. and things that I, I just put myself in this little box and I was like, this is who I am. And you know, that's decades of belief. And here are my kids who they already have their little box put together. Of, yeah. This is who my teacher told me I am and my friends and you and my dad and my grandma, like all these people are characters telling us who we are. And I wasn't listening to like, wait, I'm not these things. And so for me, that was some of the work for me to be able to say, okay, this is the life that I want. And I'm going to start creating the life that I want despite anyone else. Like I could have stayed married and done this. I just didn't wake up soon enough. Right. I'd woken up to all these other things, but I was missing that I was still in a box. And I was still keep staying small, keeping my voice so that I could, you know, please everyone around me, all these things. And so when I see my kids, I mean, maybe some parents would look at it as like, you're doing a bad job raising your kids, but I get excited when they disrupt by get using their voices mm-hmm. and not disrupt a classroom kind of feel, but oh, yeah. like they stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. and. The, it's uncomfortable. They lose friends over it. They, it, they disrupt their lives over it, but they are strong and capable young girls. And I'm seeing like, okay, it's because I'm finally using my, like they're seeing me finally stand up for myself. They're seeing their dad finally stand up for himself. And they're seeing you guys trust yourself. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I can trust myself because how I see what you just described is that you did a really good job finding out that character that is who you were supposed to be mm-hmm. and following it. You did a really good job about that. Right. And so now you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I like turned into this character that no yeah. one said, wait, I trust you. Or I never said, I trust myself. What do I feel in this moment? What do I want? How do I like, how do I want to feel? How do I want to respond? How do I want to be right? And the funny example of this is and how powerful this is, is I have identical twin girls. Like I mentioned, and, um, we ha- they had bracelets on different wrists so that I could make sure like in pictures, especially that I could, you know, distinguish d- between the two. But when they were two, they woke up one day and they were like, I don't want to wear a bracelet anymore. And I was like, okay, I'll take it off. Cause I thought for sure they would come say, never mind, I want to wear it again. Nope. Never happened again. Okay. So two years old, they took them off both of them and they were done. So then I was like, okay, well then I'm going to dress Holly in the pinks and the, like all the pink stuff. And then I'll, I'll dress Lauren and all the blues and the teal stuff. Okay. So that's what happened so that I could, the teachers could kind of know, and I could kind of (laughs) know. And to this day, they believe that those are their colors. And in fact, even one day Lauren threw on a pink shirt at a dance convention and I recorded them the whole time. And they look different now because of their personalities and their hair and the things that they, you know, that, that, just they've created their own identities, but Lauren threw on a pink shirt and she's blue. And the whole time I was recording, I actually even thought it was Hallie because I had placed that on her, mm. right? My expectation went for her was 
was that she would be in blue. And so it must be Hallie. So that simple, tiny little thing, but it's been such a visual thing for me, mm. even of like, and it wasn't in, and I never intentioned, like for my sure. intention was never for it to be this, like this thing where now she can't ever wear a pink shirt. Like that wasn't it. But like, are we placing those expectations on our kids to be a certain way or to think a certain way? Or are we giving them trust to become who mm. they are? like trust with boundaries. Right. So they, we can't be reckless with them. We can't let like, right. you got this, this world is, you know, it's this little trust. And then I always say to them, like, you have trust until you show me where I have to pull back a little. Yeah. Right. I have to keep you safe, but I also like, I want you to trust yourself. I love that. And I think we, most of the things that we place on ourselves and our children. Mm -hmm. It's, sub, it's got not conscious, right? We're not consciously like, mm -hmm. I'm going to mess up my no. child with yeah. these. No. No. Like no I've done so many that. things where my parent, my kids are like, why'd you do it? I'm like, I thought I was protecting you or I thought I was mm -hmm. helping you. And now I'm realizing that was a dumb decision that mm -hmm. I made. Um, yeah. So we can fix it. Right. So yeah, I we absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the awareness, like the awareness that you've, you've mm -hmm. done is like, Oh, Whoa, what's, what is my box? And we all have different things in our box. We all have different beliefs. I literally believed that I should hate my body my entire life. Mm -hmm. I thought that's what I should do. And all of a sudden I grew up and I was like, that doesn't feel good. Like I actually want to break that cycle right now because it was generational. It was long and it was deep and it was hard and it was heavy. And I was like, I actually want this to stop right now with me, regardless of whatever, wh whatever I look like, whatever I like, I want this to stop. And this will not be a conversation that's happening in our house. Right. And even now my daughters are all shaped very differently. And there are times where I feel like I should be protecting in different mm -hmm. ways. And guess what? I say, what do I want more than protecting? I want them to trust and love themselves and their bodies. Yeah. So I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to let this go. Right. I'm going to let go my fear that I could have, that I could step in and say like, Ooh, do, 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 do. nope, nope, nope. Or you're really going to regret that hairdo or <laughs> huh, that outfit's not the most flattering thing you ever picked or, you know, but it's like, no, like give, you know, have conversation. If you have yeah. concerns, yeah, have conversations, leave the trust in them. And then actually most of the time when they do something that you wish maybe they wouldn't, or you, you would have done differently after there's typically time for a conversation of like, Oh shoot. Yeah. It was really hard to like dance at the dance that you really like to go full out in, in that dress. Cause you were afraid your butt was going to hang out the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. So maybe next time, instead of making it this thing, where like, like your skirt is too short. What are people going to say? What are people going to think you look bad? This is embarrassing. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of that conversation, it's like, okay, well next time, if you want to be more comfortable at the dance so that you can like go hard and be in the mosh pit the whole time, like, yeah, probably let's add a few inches to that skirt. Right. It always, it. it always comes around for opportunity yeah. for this conversation, but they don't lose the trust in themselves, which is the most powerful thing that they could have. And I love that. I love that the conversation is going this way. It's like a, you tricked us Chelsea into, we're having a discussion on self-trust and that is yeah. absolutely for my audience. And I, I don't think I linked them together as far as mm -hmm. me 
getting rid of labels and creating the space that I wanted in my life that I wanted. And of course I was building trust. Like I'm making little decisions for me is a big deal because I just didn't for so long. Yeah. And I lost, lost a lot of that self-trust and tried to heal it for so long. And I feel like I was just missing the mark on in different areas of like, I still was asking people, should I cut my hair? Should yeah, I that's cut, exactly it. We look, we, things? we abandon one, we abandon one and search for guidance in another direction yeah. instead of like literally like locking ourselves in a room and just going, what do I actually want? Mm-hmm. What is important to me? How do I feel? How do I want to feel? What, who, how do I feel when I'm with this person? Is that how I want to feel? Like we literally will, will, will abandon the thing that controlled us, but then we look for control like, or guidance in a different place. So really it's like, how can we, how can we do that work and model that behavior that, that total trust in ourselves? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing is we don't have to trust that it's might be, it might be a little too much trusting that we're never going to make mistakes or we're going to have all the answers or do things wrong. But the trust that is important comes from believing that no matter what we choose, we're going to be able to, to, to make the next best step again, like that we're going to be able to, if we, if we make a decision, we're like, shoot, that actually was really stupid. And I actually hate this haircut. It's okay because we know that our hair is going to grow back and it was a, it was a learning lesson. And like, why did I cut bangs 43 times? Right. Like, I mean, people will have that conversation, but it's like, but you know what, there must've been something in me that needed to try it to remind myself that it's okay. If things don't turn out exactly how I picture them, I can still trust myself because I'm going to make the next best step from here. Mm -hmm. And it is so freeing. I don't know if you've experienced that, like gone from, not having that self-trust to trusting yourself again. It's like, Oh my gosh, like this feels amazing. And it really is in these really simple things. And so it's interesting because I've seen my youngest who's, um, she struggles with like, what do you want to, where do we want to eat for dinner? And she's got celiac disease. So we're very limited in, you know, we have our 10 restaurants that we go to. So what do you want to pick? And she gets so nervous, like, Oh, and that was me. That was a hundred percent me as a child and as an adult. Like, I don't want to make the decision because I'm going to disappoint, you know, people are going to like have a bad meal and then they're going to blame it on me. And so to give her that, like, you can choose, you can do this. Like, you're not going to make a bad choice. We know that we all like these things, but I, (laughs) I make her make the choice because I see myself. I see that younger me who was like, I don't know. I can't do like, it. Like, what should I be doing? What should I choose? Yeah, what just, should, just tell who me, should I be? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's really so true. And also maybe we make up that our decisions are so much bigger than they are. Yes. Like we get so scared about like, ah, I don't even know what color I like. I don't even know what, you know, what, what restaurant I want to eat, but, but relaxing and knowing that we're going to have another choice after that and another choice after that and another choice after that. And it's going to be fine. Like we're going to, we're going to make it through. Right. I love it. Okay. So tell me this, this is kind of opposite, but I, I'm i I don't know what kind of example, but I'm an example of I'm, I do things because it's fun, but I'm not good at a lot of things. And so therefore my children are like, I should try out for the dance team. Like they've never danced. Yeah. But like we did, you know, so they're like really confident because they just know like, we have fun and we dance. They're not, you guys are like really dancers and yeah. we're just no, silly and having yeah. fun. So I'm like, cool. Like I want to protect them still, but yeah. I've given them some confidence. You know in- what? 
Yeah, that's, I actually love that. I, I would way rather an overconfident child, which I experienced that like a little bit with my, I told, like, I have a, I, my youngest child is a boy and he has three sisters. And so I'm like, this kid has mad self-confidence because he has three cheerleaders in his corner that just tell him he's the best and the greatest and all the things, you know? And so, but, um, I had a niece actually, she decided pretty close to cheer tryouts that she wanted to try out for a cheerleader. And she had not really been, you know, dancing or taking tumbling classes, but then she did, she worked really, really hard for like that little time before cheer tryouts, because that's what she wanted all of a sudden. Right. And so she ended up not making the team. And my sister obviously wanted to like, okay, protect her. Like, how do I fix this? And I, I'm like, you lean into the bravery and you celebrate the bravery of showing up and trying. And then you also compliment the bravery and the dedication of all the girls who have been working for the last five years specifically for that. So now we say, okay, you know what? I'm so proud of you because I know that this hasn't been a priority to you the last five years. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, this wasn't your goal to, you know, be on the dance team. So there, there were, there are girls there that they've spent the last 10 years of their life training 20 hours a week. Right. And wow. So great for them. And maybe that was so important to them that that's where all their energy and their focus has been. So that's a great reward for that much dedication. And then you go back to them and say, and you want to know what, how awesome is it that you, even though that wasn't your main priority, when it came that this might be interested, like you might be interested that you were brave enough to show up anyways, even without those five, 10 years of training. I'm so proud of you for that. And also the lesson is, is like, maybe we should start looking a little further down the line than what we have. Like, do you want to look for, for things that are, that might feel exciting or important to you that you could work towards? Like, see what happens when these people worked for something for 10 years. Like now they, that they accomplished that goal. So there is always like lessons to be learned and yeah, let them go try out, let them go. I'm so proud of you for being so brave. What did you, what was your experience there? And you want to know what, maybe they went there and they tried out and they're like, that was horrible. I actually didn't even like to be in that room, you know? And then you're like, well, now, you know, good. I'm so glad you know that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And it's, I think we're going to do some goals. I get my kids back today. We're going to say like, what do we want to do the next few years? Because we haven't been that family who's like, let's be really focused into one thing. And yeah. And you don't, but but you don't have to, maybe they want a variety of life. Maybe they want to experience And that's, there is no bad in that, but also knowing that, you know, things like a high school sport these days are a little more competitive. So we're saying, I'm going to choose variety in my life more than I'm going to choose a high school sport. And there's no bad in that. There's actually, it's really cool. If you give them that, that, like that pride and that ownership of like, I chose something different, not like it's not fair. I've heard people say that high school sports should be canceled because it's not even playing ground. It's not fair. And I'm like, okay, but it's also a choice. And if we tell the kids that if they don't make a sport or a dance team, that their life is over, then what we're telling them is that's the most important thing that you will ever experience. And that we're doing a disservice by the, 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 the way that we allow them to feel about certain, you know, life experiences. I love it. And I failed at many of things in high school and, <laughs> and middle school. So it's, a, and I'm here, it's fine. Yeah. And so, look for ways that you can, you can give your kids opportunities to win, right? Yeah. Maybe they're the best 
organizer in your whole house. Maybe they are the nicest friend and you watch the way that they listen to their friends and see their friends. Maybe they're the kid who always notices when you need a hug. Like, are you noticing that and saying like, you know what, you yeah, you always notice when I need a hug, like that is a gift. I hope, you know, right. It doesn't have to be these accomplishments and it really shouldn't be. It yeah. really should be. We should, we should really be noticing like what makes them, them. Yeah. What is it about you? Because that's what it all comes back to. Not who should you be, but who are you and what makes you exactly who you are. And if you don't know that about yourself, I'd encourage you also, like, what is it about you that what makes you, you, you? Yeah. Like, what are your gifts? Like yeah. what, what, like if, if, if someone was like, I miss this about her, what, what are they going to miss if you're not around? Like, what do you add to the the room? I love it. So you're given some homework here. So I hope that. Yeah, you are. And it's I all good. It all, it yeah. just makes all of our lives better. It, it empowers us to feel trust and confidence in ourselves so that we can model that, but also so we know how to teach and guide our kids to have the same. Okay. Well, I hope that people take your advice and write that list of what they want for their kids and in themselves and then the gifts they already have. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's even writing it about yourself and your children so that you can point it out. I feel like I do better when I'm more intentional with calling out my kids, you know, the non-physical compliments like that, that really do matter. And um, little things like, one of my kids, I only have two kids. So it's very comparison. It's so easy, Mm -hmm. right? Not me, but like they compare themselves all the time. We're different. We don't like the same things. And so one is really into baking. So instead of she wants to make cookies every day, we can't have cookies every day. It's like, you can, if you want to give them to people, just say, yeah, who are you going to give them to today? And also bake gluten-free. So not everyone wants the first (laughs) they're like what is this um but not everyone yeah but like uh one of my friends did a beautiful cookbook so I'm like open it up and pick something let's try it I love that you know like I'm not great at cooking and trying new things but I can do it with you and that's Mm. and we're getting better at something together and building a little bit of confidence in both of us and the other kid she can do her thing. She, we don't have to all be the same. So that's something I'm learning. And And, and I think that's a great way of building more confidence in them is showing interest in the things that they do, that they care about, because that does confirm to them that what they do or what they love matters. Mm -hmm. So that was also another really good example that you just gave. Yeah, definitely. We remember the criticism and the compliments from our parents Mm -hmm. only matters. And Let's all do it together. We're going to be better. We're all yeah. going to be better. <laughs> we're doing, you know what? We're doing it. And if you're listening to this podcast, it means that you care, right? Yeah. It means that you care. And caring is like an incredible first step of doing better. Agreed. Thank you so much for being here, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me where they can find you. So Chelsea Christensen, um, everywhere. So Chelsea Christensen on Instagram, my website, Um, Maybe I'll post on TikTok one day soon. And then my podcast is called The Dance of Growth. Okay. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. So you can even right now, just click on more info and click on the links. Thank you so much. Supporter. She's doing great things. Thanks. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. 
If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.